welcome back to Chasing Sunday. Hello, hello. This is uh, a podcast by worship leaders for worship leaders. Uh, we are uh, just trying to get worship leaders off that ministry treadmill uh, of running from Sunday to Sunday. Uh, yeah. My name is Brian Davis. My name's Paul Romick Levitt. My esteemed colleague. Yes, he is esteemed and he is my colleague. And uh, we uh, we absolutely love doing this um, and hope that it is uh, very helpful uh, to you as worship leaders and um, and anyone else who who shares the creative space uh, within the church. And um, yeah, we we care very much about you and and about not just your um, not just how well you're able to pull off a Sunday service, um, but we we care more about your your spiritual well being and and how you're caring for your soul and your heart. Um, and that's one of the big reasons that we do that. And that's been the big focus of, uh, this season. Um, if you've been following along, uh, we have been unpacking some of the core tenets of a, uh, coaching and spiritual formation platform that we've been working on called the green room. Um, talking about four big, uh, big areas of ministry and leadership, soul, heart, mind, and strength. Um, we have covered, uh, soul and heart. Uh, so, uh, please go back and, and, uh, if you haven't already, uh, go back and give a listen to those episodes before you listen to this one, because you know, there's, you're going to miss things. I'm just <laughs> kidding. You're not going to miss anything. Um, all of these should be able to stand alone. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so anyway, just, just to kind of catch you up, um, uh, we, we talk about soul as kind of this, uh, this seat of acceptance and, and, um, accepting, um, who we are and, and who we belong to and, and that, you know, kind of wrestling with, um, our relationship with God and, and, and with, um, with this, uh, I hesitate to use the word calling, but, um, this, uh, this position that he has put us in, um, that God has put us in to, uh, to lead, um, to lead churches in worship. And, uh, and, and wrestling with the, uh, the idea that, that just as we are, um, we are enough. Um, mm-hmm. and we really yeah. feel like that's, that's where all of this starts. Um, if we can build on that foundation and rest in that truth, um, then, um, then everything else is just, I mean, it's so simple. Um, it's every, all of life just falls into place. Yeah. Um, and uh <laughs> becomes easy really yeah, that's right know. just just i mean if we're you joking want, of course if you want the secret to an easy life um just just, just go ex- into ministry just accept your acceptance and go into <laughs> ministry yes that is that's the path to easy life easy living easy living. <laughs> um from there we we talk about uh the heart um the heart being uh that sort of uh seat of, of understanding and discernment, um, where we begin to, uh, where we begin to sort of suss out, uh, you know, the things that the God is, is doing in us and, and doing around us and trying to identify like the, the best directions to go, um, and, and the best ways to not only manage our, our ministry, but to, to sort of walk through life ourselves, through our relationships, through our leadership, um, through all of those things. So uh, Paul, am I missing anything? Am I? No, um, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I think the heart portion of the, of the green room um, is, 
is something we don't often really lean into because I think of the heart uh, pillar as being really connected to our passion. Mm. Our passion is a very vital part of us being alive and definitely a very important part of us in our, in our jobs, in our calling, but it's also a fuel that burns hot and needs a lot of maintenance because um, it can really burn you out. It's, it shares, it shares like a, your passion shares uh, an apartment with your anger. You're yeah. honestly, I don't, I'm not trying to be provocative or anything like that, but it shares a, an apartment with your anger, your sex drive, your creativity, your uh, everything, your desire. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty serious part of you. And if you go at it with unconsciousness, it will just eat you alive. It'll, and then it will also become destructive to other people um, because it's just a largely unconscious. So that yeah. heart part of us needs to be talked about, needs to be worked out in community in, in a way we feel safe. And so that's why it's sort of the, the second pillar of, of the, process because i think it's also about sequence matters like we go from the soul that deepest part of our identity to our heart and then we talk about the mind which is what we're we're digging into today right yeah yeah uh and when we when we talk about the mind um it it can be easy to uh sort of um you know, equate that to just like what we think about and how we think and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's true. Um, but, but it's, we want to sort of broaden that. It's, it's, it's more about like how we're thinking about like mm -hmm. our, our culture and our community and, mm -hmm. and the, the, the people that we're surrounded by and the place where, where we have been, uh, sort of planted mm -hmm. to do ministry. Um, mm -hmm. and so, uh, we want to kind of go beyond just the, and we've talked about this a lot before, but, but so much of the resources that are available to worship leaders and to people in ministry in general, mm -hmm. focus so much on like planning and process and implementing mm -hmm. those plans. Um, which is why, uh, we think and, and feel that the, that our hearts and souls have, have sort of shriveled, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and so, um, like, like Paul said, like, it's very intentional, the order that we, that we talk about these things. Um, because if you're building, um, if you just start going into implementing, you know, making a plan and implementing it yeah, without a foundation of, you know, like who you belong to and, and what your identity is in Christ and and how you are allowing those things to feed your passion and your desires and all of that like that's where you you start to see a lot of a lot of people in ministry start to go astray um that's where you start to experience yeah. burnout and that's where you start to experience frustration in ministry is because you have this plan and you're working on it but that's all you have oh yeah it's like it's like saying, I want to build a house, but I have this really beautiful vision for these doors and windows. So let's start there. Right. Right. <laughs> let's just start with the windows and doors. Yeah. And then and you realize, oh, I've got these beautiful, and I, I don't have a frame to put these on. 
I don't have a foundation, obviously, to set the frame on. Right. Um, and and so, but what's really attractive about obviously the houses that we see, which in this metaphor would be other worship leaders or other churches or whatever, is often it's the ex it's the exterior design. It's the oh, that cool door, that right. great window, the great whatever it is. Um and and you may go inside and you're just like, oh man, they only cared about the outside. Right. There, there's a lot wrong with the electrical in here. There's a <laughs> lot, there's no plumbing, you know, yeah. or that kind of stuff. Yep. And and sometimes you can actually have a lot of great houses within this metaphor. They don't look great on the outside, right. but man, are they amazing. They're expansive on the inside. Right. They they seem like, oh, this this room seems to go on forever. Um, and, uh, it has good, it has good bones. It has a good framing. And I think, um, we, we tend to, you know, Brian and I, we maybe even to a detriment, um, emphasize the heart and soul part of things. It's not that we, we, uh, disregard the mind and, and strength part of things, which is kind of that where we start going into, Hey, strategy and, um, what good habits or, or tactics th- that you are going to employ, but there's a lot that there's there. And we're just going to be basically, um, sharing a lot of the the practices and habits that we've used in the past and work for us, yeah. but you can find those in so many different places. Sure. It's this, it's this interplay. It's all of the integration of all these four things that becomes really important. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think it really does take all four, um, yeah, you know, you know, artists are are always being. I don't want to say maligned, but at least like, you know, like most most artists do live in that soul and heart space, and and you know, so much of ministry exists in the mind and strength space, and so yeah. like, and there's there's not a whole lot of talk about like how how do we integrate all four of those things. Um, and so, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people just write it off as like, Oh, well, you know, of course he doesn't have a plan for that. He, you know, he or she is just a, you know, just, well, they're an artist. That's, that's their way, right? you know? And, and while that's, you know, that may be true and, and that's good. Like I embrace that, like embrace your artistic Uh nature, but don't use it as an Uh excuse to not, you know, at the end of the day, you, you also have a job to do, you know? Um, and so don't let, you know, don't let your personality or, or your proclivities become an excuse for why you didn't, you know, why you didn't do the thing that you were, (laughs) that you were hired to do, you know? Um, and so I think that's, that's a big part of, of why we want to do this. And, and I think that there are ways that you can, that you can make plans, that you can develop structures, um, that you can, you know, that you can build a very strong and effective ministry and, and, and not lose your artistic soul and heart, you know, like there, there is, if you can find the artistry within those structures, it does become a lot easier. But again, unfortunately, that's not always talked about. You know, it's, you know, a lot of the plans and and structures and and the templates that we're given 
are, you know, are made by, you know, non-artists and non, you know, they're made by business people and they're made by, you know, folks who, you know, type A personalities or, or whatever, like, but there, there's absolutely a way that you can adapt those strategies and structures into an artistic life, you know, and, and find the artistry in doing them. So, um, so yeah, that's a a very long intro into what we're going to, uh, what we're going to talk about, uh, in this episode. Uh, Well then let's, let's kind of break it down. So like, what, what does it mean? What, what are the, what are we talking about when we talking about the mind pillar, the mind pillar? It sounds like a, (laughs) it sounds like a, it sounds like a kung fu move, or or like the latest, the latest Christopher Nolan like mind bending, you know, thriller mind, or something like the mind pillar, mind pillar. I, um. I yeah, well, we get ourselves <laughs> off track really easily. Um, but the about what we're talking about when we're talking about this practice, this 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 focus on a mind in, in if we kind of go back to the shema again it is worshiping the lord with our heart soul mind and strength and when we're talking about the mind we're not just talking about cognition we're mm-hmm. not talking about the things that we learn but actually um probably more importantly we're talking about our intuition mm-hmm. um and yeah, Einstein had some quote about this that we we kick around a lot. And yeah. Brian, you you have that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um so uh Einstein who I think is is uh, maybe I'm heretical for saying this, but one of my favorite theologians. Um uh-huh. <laughs> he, he said the the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. Um, and, and we first, we first, uh, heard that quote, um, from, uh, from our friend Chuck Blakeman, who we had, uh, on as a guest in, in season two. Um, yeah. And, but that just, it rings so true. Um, especially, especially when it comes to, you know, how we, how we work in ministry, like, our our intuition and those things that 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 we feel those places that we feel God is leading us um that that process of discernment that we talk about in the in the heart piece that's been largely forgotten and missed and we've we have we've traded that in for a really good plan you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and really good rational thought and really good like a really well thought out strategy, mm-hmm. um, and and intuition has gone by the wayside. Um, and there's, yeah, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, but um, but I think if we can reclaim that that idea of intuition as being mm-hmm. a sacred gift mm-hmm. and not something that, that we have to distrust all the time and not something that we have to lay aside, um, in favor of a really great plan. Um, I think that will, that will serve us much better, um, in, in, in ministry and in life. Yeah. And I want to, and I do think it's kind of a little bit of an important bunny trail to take, um, about why we're talking about intuition, um, and why we see it as, as it's a necessity because, 
in the history of Christianity in our country, at least, um, from the Industrial Revolution on, really, the focus became about, you know, how modernism, um, or, or it's not the focus, but a big impact on Christianity was modern philosophy, modern ideology, um, which was seeking to um, reduce reality down into a way we could get control over it. We mm -hmm. can understand it. Um, so in many ways, the modern um, apologetics uh, movement, like proving uh, the yeah. objective reality of God, um, having arguments between creationism and evolutionism, or evolutionism and evolution, um, yeah. um, and creating these this dichotomy of sacred secular mm -hmm. that um, was about cognition. It's about, and about enlightenment. It's a, really about the product of the enlightenment right. and how, how we fit God within that box. But before that period of time, it was far more intuitive, far more, uh, value was placed on the intuition because you have the contributions of the desert fathers and mothers, these Coptic Christians out of in Egypt and Byzantium who are leaving the Roman Empire and they're going out to explore um, God in the wilderness and in the desert kind of for the first time. And yeah. we get to hear their writings and they have these mystical experiences and they cultivate a sense of intuition. But before them, it was definitely within a Jewish uh, way of understanding Torah and Talmud that it was the spirit that was guiding you into understanding um, what this interpretation would be. And there was no such thing as the quote unquote inerrant uh, word of God. Right. That was a product of modernism. Mm. It was not something that existed. There was always this intuition is going to lead you into a communication. It's going to make you, uh, it's maybe going to force you into some arguments within a community and you're going to work it out. You're going to hash it out. You're going to say, Hey, I see this this way, or this is how I see it in my community. And this is how I see it in my community. There's arguments from the very beginning of the Christian movement between, you know, we see that in scripture between Paul and Peter and John, and then there's Barnabas. There's people working it out yeah. because they're experiencing th something in their community and they're trying to figure out what are the timeless things? What are the, the unifying principles? of this this new identity that we have um that that is what we're trying to um a, a tradition that never went away but it's something that at least in america that valued uh honestly being independent and being intelligent and being separate and being powerful um that that uh quality was looked at as being too weak and too woo woo and right. away you know all that kind of stuff and it needs to be back for us, for us to experience this wisdom, and um, and to get back to true health. So I'm sorry about that bunny trail, but no. I do feel like it's helpful to get us back in a historical context. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and I think that's that's so important because it is that. If I can boil that down, um, it, it, it's it's that it's the difference between embracing mystery and clinging to certainty. Mm -hmm. Like there, yeah. there is yeah. like, we, we want to know the way we want to know that we're going the right way. 
and we and and we want to know that we're right about it. <laughs> you know, like we we just yeah. we we want to know that this is and and I think that when when we talk about you know planning and moving forward and 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 getting our setting our community into you know on a trajectory we we don't want any question marks like we want we want periods and we want exclamation points like this is the way that we're going to go because we know that we're right yeah and we know that it i i I think about when we were talking about this stuff in in the praxis um you know a couple years ago when i when i did that that group we were talking about this process of discernment and, and this idea of, you know, like it wasn't this, I'm probably over oversimplifying it, but basically like this idea that if, if we are, if we're truly like in, in right relationship with God and if we're truly like, you know, we're rooting ourselves in, in our acceptance and all that kind of stuff there, there really isn't a like wrong way. <laughs> like we, yeah. we, we just sort like we step out and we go and, and along the way we are guided, you know, it's not like, yeah. you know, and, and there were a lot of people that had a really, really hard time with that. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they wanted, mm-hmm. and, and, and it was a, it was a discussion that, that I remember just kind of went around in circles for a little while because there mm-hmm. were a, a couple of people who just were really pushing back on this idea of like, but, but what if I like, what if I do what, like, what if I decide to do this and, and it's, and it's wrong. And, and the, you know, the facilitators were like, yeah, well then do, do a different one next time, like make a different choice (laughs) the next time. And, and this just, I could see these people just getting more and more agitated because they just wanted to know. They yeah, wanted to yeah. know that they were right and yeah. that they, and that they weren't. And, and I think some of that too, like, again, this may be another bunny trail, but like, I think that that speaks a lot to the role that, that fear has played yeah, in, in sure. the modern evangelical church is like, yeah, don't, don't you step off this path or, or God's going to get you, you know, yeah. like you're, there's a, there's a lightning bolt just waiting like God's just yeah. up there going like, Oh, just take, I, I dare you. I dare you to take one step out of this, like yeah. out of this way that I like, I don't think that that's how God operates. And, um, but that, yeah. that fear is, is still there. It, it, it's in me, you know, like I, I get paralyzed yeah. Yeah. with paralyzed with indecision and, and, and paralyzed because I, I want to know, <laughs> I want to absolutely know that this is the right, that this is yeah. the one right thing that I can do. Um, and that's just, that's a, that's an agonizing and paralyzing way to live. It's, it's a horrible way to do ministry. Um, and, and yeah, so, um, anyway, so where were we? Um, yeah. And it's, we're, we're, no, we're absolutely right on path because what we're talking about is the, the, the issues in which why dedicating energy and focus to cultivating our minds mm-hmm. um and then what that means in um in reality and practice um how that affects our lives is so important yeah. um when we make a shift from emphasizing intuition over cognition mm-hmm. um we will start to create distance between us and 
honestly, a lot of maybe traditions that we've come from, mm -hmm. which means communities that we've come from. Right. So, and it's painful. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think many of the people who listen to us um, who have already started going in this direction have already experienced the consequences of asking questions mm -hmm. in communities. They've already uh, said, hey, I've, re I've read this book or I've looked more at scripture or I heard this interpretation. And they say, and I have questions to their their point of reference, you know, whatever mm -hmm. tradition that they came from, they grew up in, wants to... I under it makes sense. It, like I understand why communities want to stay where they are. Um, a, a little bit like um, uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna save that. That's a, a bit of a, a bit of a tangent. Okay, right. to stay on point, where it's just like, um, but cultivating this idea of being students of your context, mm. understanding the, the the church that you you're in not the idealized version of the church that you think exists or that other people think exists right. um that investigating that sort of interrogating your assumptions in regard to that mm. um is the work of of what it means to worship god with your mind right um dedicate that attention to god with your mind yeah. um is so critical yeah, I I absolutely agree, and and I think that um, that a lot of a lot of what we talk about when we talk about the mind is just looking around and observing and and right. uh, and 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 making an effort to understand your church's culture, your church's community like you're like because we we are all different and i think in this where we have gone sort of astray um in 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 this day and age and gotten away from from actually like mm. trying to define and understand our our own communities is um is the internet is the the prevalence of all these yeah. you know all of these ministries and all of these churches that are so visible from, from a great distance, you know, like you can get on, you can get on YouTube and watch a worship service from, you know, from any church almost. And, you know, that, that has the equipment. Um, and, and we look at those and we begin to idealize those and we begin to say like, uh, you know, we look at the number of people that are in their congregation or the influence that their ministry has, you know, in their, in their city or in their state or in their country or the world. And, and we think that, so that's what it takes. If, if we look like that, if we sound like that, if we sing those songs, if we get people who look like that on stage, um, then, then that is going to be the thing that makes us also blow up and turn yeah. into, you know, turn into this, you know, the next great thing. Yeah. And I mean, I saw it back in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands as, you know, as Willow Creek was blowing up, um, and, you know, going to their conferences and, and they had right. all these, all these great little like prepackaged things that you could take back right. to your church and do things the way that they're doing it. And, and basically like, it wasn't ever said this way, but it was implied that like, and you'll see the same results. 
right? Like right. this is how you this is how you grow your church. Um, mm-hmm. And the problem with that, at least in my experience, and I I have heard this from several other people. You know, Willow Creek came about in a very specific culture in, you know, in the suburbs of Chicago, mm-hmm. a very affluent, you know, area of town where, um, where things like theater and, uh, at least in terms of like musical genres, yeah. like the, the jazz scene and the blues scene was really big. Um, and, and so, yeah. uh, and so Willow, you know, they noticed that. And they're like, so people are going to, you know, they're going to plays and they're going to musicals and they're going to these jazz clubs and all that kind of stuff. What if we did that at church, you know? And so there's this big, you know, it's like, oh, so, so we'll, we'll win people to, you know, we'll get people to come to church by doing these clever skits and clever sketches that, you know, have these really poignant, you know, endings to them and all that kind of stuff. And, and we'll build these elaborate sets on stage and all that kind of stuff. And, and we'll hire all of the best musicians from these, like from these, you know, you know, from like all these session players and all that kind of stuff. And their music was, was phenomenal. And, and, and they did these, these skits and these plays and all that kind of stuff really, really well. Problem is like, yeah, in, in the Chicagoland area, it's really easy to find, you know, great jazz session players and it's really easy to find actors and, and, and people that want to do these things. I bring all that stuff back to, you know, to my little church plant in Cherry Creek, Colorado and try to pull off these skits and these sketches. And it went over like a fart in church, you know, like, like, and I didn't have the musicians to be able to pull off those songs. And I didn't have, you know, I didn't have people that wanted to get on stage and, and, you know, act out these, you know, these three to five minute, you know, dramas that, that they were coming out with. And so it was like, culturally, it just didn't work, but we tried it and we, and we would, and we try it every week and eventually guilty about eventually it just felt like I, we were banging our heads against the wall and it, you know, it wasn't until I, I started getting into, you know, as I, was involved in other churches and, and, and saw like, wait, this, that, that works over there and that's great. And I'm grateful for it. That's not going to work here because that's not, Mm -hmm. that's not what our, like, that's not what resonates with our people. That's not what resonates. And so having to do that very intentional work of looking around at your community and your culture, like it's, it is, it's hard and it's, dirty and it's time consuming and it's sometimes not fun to do that work. Um, and it's not like the answers that you get and, and the, you know, the, you may identify like, Oh, so my church, like actually what I find that when like, it's just one guy on stage with an acoustic guitar singing sort of, you know, folky indie worship music, man, people just really resonate with that. And people really start to like get engaged with what's going on in the service. Like what, but, but that's not, you know, that's not four electric guitar players and 12 channels of backing tracks and, you know, seven like cocaine soaked, you know, vocalists on stage bouncing around like their hair's on fire. You know, um, that that's not what I saw on YouTube. 
Like, <laughs> how is this going to work? It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Like, that's their church. This is your church. This is your community. This is your culture. Yeah. And you need to, right. we, we, we need yeah. to open our minds to that possibility that our church is not going to be like every other church and, and, and begin to identify yeah. those things that, that fit within our cultural milieu, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah. And there's also what's else you're not, a lot, often people aren't thinking through is that they think they can take this methodology without the accompanying theology that fuels it, yeah. which may not, may not resonate with your point of view. Yeah. That's the other thing is it's like we, we have so many churches, so many, and even within denominations, there are different flavors of ways they, they see scripture and they're going to have like, like it would have been talked about in, in scripture. Each rabbi had their yoke. Mm-hmm. Each rabbi had, it was like, you know, I see it a little differently. I, I think, you know, God, I'm going to, I think this is the way it's, it's been. That's often thought of being um, from a modernist point of view, which is like, no, it's got to say all one thing mm-hmm. and it's got to say it exactly the same way for every church. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise it's the, it's not true. Right. Um, which again, didn't exist before uh, <laughs> before we had like this, actually after Reformation and everything that kind of spun out of that, um, right. that's when that started. It was not the case before. Um, I, without getting off topic, it's the, the idea is that these theologies come along with that style of worship. One example, um, popular example right now is Bethel, mm-hmm. right? Everybody loves this sort of in-between um, you know, this hipster, charismatic, um, <clears throat> loose flowing, all this stuff. And then they go like, how can I make a 12 song, how a 12 minute song work in my worship service? Right. It was like, well, if you're like any, if most, uh, evangelical church services go about an hour and 15 minutes and the preacher is going to speak for anywhere between 25 to 30 on average. Mm. That means you have somewhere around 22 minutes and 22 and a half minutes to do music. So if you've just now taken 12 minutes of that, of that chunk and you are wondering why are people singing? Why aren't people worshiping? I was like, well, you had them to do this one thing and you you didn't manage your time well, quite honestly, but you also didn't understand your context. Right. That may have worked for you. uh, If, if you had the same um, sort of factors and variables that, that operated and location and all that sort of stuff, theology from Bethel, then it might work. If it doesn't, if then you're not paying attention, you're not using your mind in, in that, so it's not just the, the 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 piece that gets us comparing ourselves to other churches that can really defeat us. Yeah. You know, I think it's also not really knowing your own story and mm. and assuming you're just like everybody else, assuming everybody sees it the way you see it. Right. Um. That 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 means like you, you're sort of um, not focusing. You're not paying attention to worshiping God with your mind. Right. Um, I know I think of Jimmy Carnes, who was on our our uh, show last last season um, from Capable Life. 
And the beautiful thing about Capable Life is I think it's really helping people see their own story, see the ways in which they operate within a system that they don't operate alone. Mm -hmm. um, and that there's a lot of, of their own, um, and I would say not just their own personal story, like their stories from their family of origin, but also like from their, uh, religious heritage their christian tradition yeah that they go like uh when when did i get that certain assumption where did that story come from um and starting to expose maybe some propaganda that we oh. we've enabled and and endorsed uh, along the way um that's involved in this in this process of worshiping god with our minds yeah i and i you know i think one of those one of those pieces of propaganda is that like the buck stops with the leader. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. we have this very hierarchical, you know, top down leadership structure. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, the worship leader is no exception. Like they, they sort of say like, you know, I'm going to set the tone. I'm going to set the vision. I'm going to decide like what this is going to be like. And, and, everybody needs to get on board. And if you can't get on board, then get out, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think that especially like when a worship leader moves into a new, like moves to a new church and takes on a new role, they, they operate that way. And they say, yeah, this is how it's going to be. Mm -hmm. These are the songs that we're going to sing, or these are the songs that we're not going to sing anymore, you know? And, and they just start to mm -hmm. implement their plan and their strategy and all their kind of, all their, all their stuff that that again have they've accumulated through their own story and through their own you know mm -hmm. they've adopted mm -hmm. over time and and they don't take that time to look around and say oh wait this is a different culture like it might it might still be you know a baptist church it might still be you know it might only be you know 20 minutes across town from where you were before but it's still a different place with different yeah. people with different cultural and contextual like accommodations that need to be made. And, and again, it's, I think that's one of the things that, that feeds burnout that feeds this massive turnover of worship yeah. leaders that we see is because they'll be there and they'll, they'll beat their head against the wall for three years, five years, trying to get everybody to do it their way. Yeah. And, and then they're like, you know what, if you're not going to, yeah, five, five years, if you're lucky. That's, um, yeah, that's I'm, aspirational. I'm being very generous. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and they'll just keep beating their head against that wall until one day they're like, nope, there, nobody's, nobody's following me. I'm not, you know, this is, yeah. uh, it, it, there must be something wrong with them. So I'm going to move, usually I'm going to move yeah, on, right. you know, uh -huh. I, you know, I'm reminded of a story and I've probably told it before, but, um, when it comes to the way that, that context and, and culture can change, even within a, you know, within a, a community, like not necessarily a, you know, established community, but I used to lead worship for the summer camp. Um, and for like three or four years in a row, it was just like, you know, to, to use, you know, more charismatic parlance, like, you know, the spirit just fell and like, you know, kids were really, you know, engaging with the worship and raising hands and dancing and like all this stuff. And it was a Baptist camp. So it was very scandalous. Um, 
But, you know, we had like three or four years where it was like, this is amazing. And it was really easy to lead worship in those environments because it was like, everybody's hungry for it. Everybody kind of knows what to expect about it. Like, it was like shooting fish in a barrel almost. Yeah. And then there was one year we had a huge amount of turnover um, where, you know, a lot of our like juniors and seniors had, had graduated and weren't able to come to the camp anymore or weren't able to be there for whatever reason. And we had this huge influx of, of new kids that were coming to the camp. And I remember like the first night leading worship thinking like, Oh, this is going to be like every other year, get ready. Like it's, this is just going to be awesome. And I start doing my thing and it was crickets. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like anybody was engaged. I didn't feel like anybody cared. Like nobody like, and, and I'm thinking what's, what is wrong with these kids? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like what the right. heck so i did the yeah. you know i i did the the good you know christian thing like well we just need to try harder and do more and so like the next night i get up and lead worship and i'm just i mean i'm letting them have it you know like i am i you know just unloading both barrels of worship like you guys are gonna get this and again like nothing i just felt like everybody was just staring at me uh, and i yeah. yeah, after about two or three nights of this, I was so frustrated, and I finished a set, and I just sort of put my guitar down and stormed out. <laughs> and the the pastor of the camp, who was also my pastor growing up, he kind of met me outside after the session was done, and and he was like, hey, everything okay? I was like, I'm pissed. Like, I'm I'm so mad. Like, why isn't anybody worshiping? Why isn't anybody getting into this the way they have before? And he said, Brian, there are two two ways to lead people on a hike. If if you're if you're gonna take you know people on a hike up a mountain, mm-hmm. you can either like and and granted this is a mountain that you have already hiked before. Like you've mm-hmm. been up and you've been to the summit and you know how beautiful it is and you know like it, the the sunset is just it'll take your breath away. It's so awesome, and you know all this. You're leading a group of people that have never been on a hike before ever in their lives, and now you're at like what you're doing is you're running up to like the next spot. And you're yelling at all these kids saying, why don't you get up here? It's so awesome up here. This is great. Come on. What's your problem? And he said, a good leader doesn't just run out ahead and go to the top of the mountain and scream at everybody for not being in the same place that they are. A good leader leads from among the people and, and leads them one step at a time and says like, Hey, it's okay. I've, I know this looks like we don't, you don't know what's around this corner, but I've, I've been there before. It's going to be all right. Like, come on, let's all go there together and it's going to be fine. And I always think about that. And, and, you know, in, in the, you know, when you think about like, Mm -hmm. if I don't take the time to get to know where my community is, I'm not going to know where we're, where we could possibly go. Like, you know, like if you want to go from point A to point B, or if you want to go to point B, you've got to know where you are first. Like, you know, it's, it, so anyway, I felt like that was, that was a very, well, no, story, but absolutely beautiful story. What it made me think of is my own experience of, of hiking. And I had, uh, you know, on some sort of retreat, I'm, I'm sure. And it was for a church I was working for at the time. And you're when when you're on a trail, you have people who are like 
at different fitness levels, obviously. Right. And they're they're walking at different paces or they're they were like they want to use it as a workout, or you know, right. other people was like, and I if you're not with them, you feel like an outsider. Right. If you're not right and you're not doing that. And what I noticed about a I think a great leader who became a good good friend of mine is as I was feeling insecure about that, and I knew he was in a better, he was in better shape and he could do this mm-hmm. so much faster. I was like, you don't have to stay with me. You can, you can go on ahead. You know, I'm just going to walk like, like this. And he, and he encouraged me. It was just like, no, I'm here. Like, this is the point of the right. hike. Yeah. Not me walking, not me getting to the top first, not me or any of the things that maybe I've been here before. It's this, it's the conversation. It's being with you. Mm-hmm. That's the point of this. Um, and like your, your point is, you know, it's, we make it so much about the trail right. or the summit right. or the sites, mm-hmm. but, and not the relationship. The relationship is the point. Yeah. Um, and, and so absolutely. I think that's it. We, we get, we get lost in the work of it. Yeah. And also the other factors that that are invested in keeping us on a treadmill. Yeah. You know, um and 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 breaking away from it. So yeah. Um but well, it's uh it's it's a very important topic. It's very deep stuff. Yeah. I I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, kind of talk about some maybe some practical ways to uh to you know sort of yeah to get in into your community, like, you know, as opposed to just being this sort of yeah. outsider who tells people it's time to sing, you know? Um, uh, yeah, it can be, at least for me, this is a, this is sort of a difficult practice. Um, but one, you know, one of the things that, um, that we are tasked with at my, uh, you know, at my work at new Denver is, like every month we're supposed to do a certain amount of like one-on-ones with people on our team uh, and even people outside our team. It doesn't have to just be, you know, members of the worship team, but, but just being intentional about sitting down with the people in your community and getting to know them and getting, uh, you know, not just like where they work and how their family is, but getting to know, like, where are you in, you know, in your relationship with God? Mm. What do you feel God is leading you to do? And I'm losing my voice. But yeah, along those lines, I feel like it's listening is more important than speaking. Absolutely. Um, you know, that uh, we we think that p- because we're in this position of authority or whatever, it's like what people are wanting is our ideas, what how we see it, where we're going to go. And to flip that around and, and say, actually, the most important thing is your idea. Right. Where do you, th- where do you think we need to go? Uh-huh. Um, so that's a very valuable practice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that, I mean, it, it takes time and it, like I said, it's not something that I'm always comfortable with because I, you know, for many years it was just sort of, like I said, I was just sort of that disembodied, you know, yeah. leader that like, yeah, I'll show up on Thursday for rehearsal and, and you'll see me on Sunday for the service. Um, outside of that, like, you know, keep yourself together and, and like, make sure you're practicing, you know, um, yeah, yeah. but to actually get involved in the lives of, of the people that you serve with and the people that, that you're in community with, uh, at your church, I think just goes, it goes so far. Um, but then as you, as you get to know these people, 
You will also get to know what their, you know, what their particular strengths are, what their gifts are, what mm-hmm. their, um, the things that they're passionate about, the things that they care about, the ways that their soul and heart are being developed in their relationship with God and in their relationship with this community that you all share. And as you do that, you can, um, and, and I don't want to jump ahead to, you know, to the next, uh, the next pillar, um, cause we're still in mind pillar, um, mind pillar. Yes. Um, you'll begin to, to identify like, Oh wait, you're really good at bringing people together for, you know, for like just fun events. That's something that I'm not good at. Um, but I know that it's something that we need to be doing as, you know, as a worship team or as a community. Um, and so you, you can begin to identify these people that have strengths that you yourself don't possess or that, that may not be, you know, on your radar or, or, or things that you particularly care about. And you be, you begin to think about ways using your mind, um, thinking about ways that you can start to get those people involved with those gifts to strengthen your community and to, to strengthen, uh, and you just, again, it just adds context to the people that you're leading and the people that you are serving with. Um, and so, yeah, any, any other pointers that you would add, Paul? I think the best way to cultivate and worship with your mind is by reading and engaging with people who are different from you. Mm. Um, I'd say like, first that comes into understanding your own tradition as not quote unquote normal, but just happened to be where you came from. It's your point of reference. Right. So you have to, I'd say cultivate a a historical context, understand like what are the factors that brought you to the, the assumptions and the ways that, that made you think about it. Like if you grew up in a particular denomination, how did that denomination start? Um, who were the major thinkers there? And how can you see uh, an indirect line between what they thought and what you think now? Mm. Okay, so understanding piece of that and then going like, I wonder if there's somebody who sees it differently. Yeah. Um, for me, it was like, uh, my one example is just like for me in 2016, I started to see, I started to feel like, I think, there's a whole group of people in my country who have a different experience of my country than I do. And I don't know it. Obviously they, they don't, things are upsetting them. <laughs> and I had friends too. Um, my, my black friends who, uh, they were telling me things that I felt like were unbelievable to me. And I was like, that is that really what's happening? Mm. And I started to go, well, where would I find out? Who do I have to listen to? So I started to listen to people that made me feel maybe a little bit um, angry hmm. or made me feel like that can't be true or that that can't be happening. And I sat, I went in a little bit more. So I thought, well, how is their theology different? How is their sense of history different? And so I started to learn more in that regard. And then I started to say, okay, that's maybe why I've made certain assumptions about myself Mm. and them in these contexts. Mm. That's just one way in which a lot of people are, you know, experiencing those things. We do that also with, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be too controversial, but I mean, we do that with our own sexuality. We do that with gender. We, um, 
but we especially do that with our faith traditions um where we're where if somebody thinks about say for example the atonement or the cross in one way and then the other person says no it's the cross is just about forgiveness and you're like oh this person says forgiveness is probably the secondary thing <laughs> you know and you're like wait a minute those are those are like those are fighting words right. you know what i mean right when we get into that space somebody says something about hell somebody some says something about heaven and we go that can't be true and we leave it there then we i think we shut off a piece of worship mm. in our mind mm-hmm. you know that engaging our mind in worship so and that does have real practical implications to the day-to-day work we make into like the songs we choose recruiting volunteers asking people to do things in the church yeah. like it absolutely has everything to do with that stuff so that's I, I you know my maybe a long-winded answer but i yeah. but i think that's definitely my my biggest uh recommendation yeah awesome oh. well this has been a fantastic conversation yeah i i agree um but i'm biased because because um, because I like you, I've enjoyed um, it. At I, least. I have too. Yes. Um. Hope hope that you have, uh, dear listener, and uh, thank you so much for uh, for listening to us. If uh, if you haven't already, uh, please uh, subscribe uh, to to the podcast. Give us a, a rating, um, or or leave a review on uh, whatever platform you listen to us on, on which you listen to yes. us. Um. That would uh, that would go a long way to just letting other people know about uh, about this podcast and um, just uh, we're so grateful for everyone that that tunes in and, and gives us a listen and hope that it's uh, that it's helpful and um, yeah you can um, you can find out more about uh, what we do as a ministry uh, at torncurtainarts.org. Um, we are a five hundred one c three. And so, uh, things like the chasing Sunday podcast and, and so all of the other things, uh, that torn curtain does, uh, are made possible, uh, through, uh, very generous, uh, gifts from our, our donors and our partners. Um, and if you want to be one of those people, uh, go to torncurtainarts.org slash donate and, uh, set up a recording donation, give a one-time donation, whatever it is, uh, anything helps, um, to let, uh, to let other people know that uh, other worship leaders know they're not alone in uh, their struggles and, and the things that they're doing and, uh, and that we, um, yeah, that there's somebody out there that cares about them and, and wants them to be uh, healthy and, and happy and, and joyful and all of those things. So, um, yeah. so yeah, anything else we need to let everybody know about? Yeah. If you're a worship leader who wants a community like, like this um, and a place to work out, these four pillars, I recommend um, checking out the green room. Um, you can go to greenroomleaders.com, uh, learn about what we're about, um, find out about when the next cohort is beginning, and um, even get weekly encouragement through our verse chorus yes. emails, which we send just kind of, it's a it's a little email you can read in seven minutes and just uh, has something to a couple of questions we say we call it verse course because it's just it's one idea two questions and three no wait one idea two verses two verses three questions and three questions <laughs> yeah 
to really help you kind of meditate, think on, but don't, we know you're busy. We know you got a lot to do. So we don't want to add, we, we want to help. Hopefully there's an email form of something that even takes something off your plate, yeah. yep. <laughs> you know, eventually. So you can sign up there at greenroomleaders.com as well. Yeah. So uh, thanks so much. Uh, we'll have another episode uh, coming your way in a couple of weeks. So uh, thank you. Please continue to listen. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Chasing Sunday is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and distributed by Resonate Media. Your hosts are Brian Davis and Paul Romig-Levitt, with editing and mixing by Danny Burton. Torn Curtain Arts is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your tax-deductible gifts make our work possible. For more information about TCA and to partner with us in our ongoing work, visit torncurtainarts.org.